listening to the Getting Smart Podcast, where we unpack what is new and innovative in education. I'm your host, Jessica. And real quick, I just want to say Happy New Year, listeners. Is anyone else wondering where on earth 2018 went? I am for sure wondering the same thing, but I'm super excited for the work that we're going to do in 2019. So stay tuned to the podcast and our blog as we kick off some exciting campaigns and projects. But back to business. On today's episode, we're going to discuss competency-based education and professional development. Professional development in education is notoriously bad. Bloomboard was co-founded by Jason Lang in 2010 to try to fix the problem by powering the micro-credential revolution. What are micro-credentials, you might be asking? Well, they are short chunks of progressional learning, usually presented in the form of a digital playlist. Teachers typically have a choice of what to learn from a portfolio of micro-credentials, as well as the choice of when to learn it, and how to demonstrate their capabilities after. Once they have completed a unit of study and demonstrated their learning, they earn a micro-credential. It's personalized and it's competency-based for teachers and leaders. We caught up with Jason at the INACOL Symposium in Nashville back in November, and he described how many districts and states are using micro-credentials to transform professional learning. Let's listen in. Jason Lang, welcome to the Getting Smart Podcast. <laughs> Thanks for having me. We're, we're in a noisy hall at uh, at the iNickel Symposium. Uh, great to catch up. Yep. What's new it's in been a while. what's new in micro credentials? Uh, it's been a pretty crazy couple of years. I think that there's been this really interesting evolution over the past three years from sort of micro credentials as sort of a PD modality, where people were just sort of plugging them into a PD catalog. And now really thinking about them as sort of a fundamental building block for career advancement. And think about how you actually structure what does a career pathway mean to an educator. And if you start defining roles for educators that they can aspire to, how do you define those roles and what competencies matter for each of those roles? It, it's cool because it, uh, it really unlocks blended personalizing competency base for teachers. <laughs> it's a right? crazy idea. Just, just like we want for kids. <laughs> yep. Uh, so... Would love to take a quick lap around the United States and and maybe summarize all the different ways that states uh, are working with you guys to move professional learning uh, to more personalized and, and competency based approach. Sure. So it's, it really covers the whole sort of gamut at this point, which we've got folks moving, starting with pre-service or induction programs. So in Arkansas, they've defined sort of nine competencies that they want every single new teacher in the state of Arkansas to be able to demonstrate aligned to their version of the Danielson framework. And so they've defined that and that will eventually become their sort of induction program. And that's really the way they think about how to demonstrate what a new teacher should be able to do in their classroom in portfolio format. And then we've got a bunch of folks, so there are three or four other states working on induction, we've got a bunch of states working on some core instructional alignment to their version of the Danielson framework in Tennessee, doing some really interesting work around STEM designations at the, at the principal and teacher level, and think about what sort of competencies principals and teachers need to demonstrate at the school level. So un- unpack that a little bit just as an example. So uh, like how many micro-credentials might that include if I wanted to get a sort of a STEM specialization as a, as a principal? So they've started looking at it as a four micro-credentials at the principal level. So okay. four micro-credentials around infrastructure and alignment to core STEM practices. So if I'm a principal and I want to add that sort of STEM designation, would that how long would that take me? A, a six months, a year? Mm, probably six months. I mean, generally for a single micro-credential, we look at it as usually a four to six week 
experience, almost like a, its own cycle of inquiry. We've changed a lot of the micro-credential blueprint to follow the ADI model. So if you're familiar with sort of the analyze, design, develop, implement, evaluate sort of cycle of inquiry structure, it really makes it a much more coherent, sort of evens the grain size across my credentials. And so by going through that process, if it takes you four weeks, six weeks, you can go through, we have some teachers will go through multiple my credentials at the same time because they're all pretty coherent and all related to each other. So it could take you as, as, many, as few as sort of five, six, eight weeks, but you know, as many as you know, six months, just depending on our level of commitment to it. So there, you have lots of states that are working on teacher induction. What, tell us a little bit more about um, one or two of those programs, w what does it include? So in the, really a lot of states are trying to figure out how to embed it often in their service center infrastructure. And so knowing that in order to do induction well, it can't just be an online program. And so what sort of training, whether it be summer training, whether it be sort of in-service days or specific release days throughout the year. But the idea is sort of building out a set of time that teachers can come together, defining what those competencies should be. And so if you're working on classroom management or classroom routines, you might have a summer session where you're actually unpacking, what is this competency? What is sort of a good routine look like? Let's look at the research. Let's look at your current practice in your classroom and then design an actual lesson plan or design a new set of routines that's going to save you some time or help align that. And then when you start the school year, now you actually implement that routine and you capture the implementation. So how you're handing out papers, how you're sort of doing different tasks, capture what that routine looks like, show that it's actually sort of automated, that students can do it on their own, and then reflect on it and reflect why did it work, what would you change, what worked well, what didn't, and then upload all of that evidence and the actual videos of that routine into the system, and that's actually how you pass and earn that micro-credential. So how, uh, that Arkansas teacher induction program, for example, how many, how many micro-credentials might that include? So over two years, their, their induction program is a two- or a three-year program, so they'll earn nine micro-credentials, which includes sort of three around classroom management, two around uh, positive school climate, two around data-driven instruction, and then one in the sort of lesson planning and one in the student engagement. So it sounds like those are really tied to classroom practice. These are mm -hmm. things you can't just do on your own. They're, they're embedded in the work, right? That's right. And then we've got other folks doing very specific content realms. So Louisiana actually just last week passed the first competency-based licensure for teacher leaders. So if mentors and content leaders in the state of Louisiana, if you're going to earn either of those roles and earn those license endorsements on your license, what you actually have to do is demonstrate those competencies. In Louisiana's case, they're about as for content forward as you can get from a state level, given all the work they've done around Common Core and their version of Common Core. And so they actually have a set of text-dependent questioning micro-credentials for ELA teachers. So every mentor in the state, they want to be able to do text-dependent questioning really well. And they've got a set of similar sort of math, productive mathematical conversations for math teachers. And that, that's what they want to make sure that their mentors actually have those content skills in addition to other micro-credentials around facilitating a adult group learning. Other uh, teacher micro-credentials we want to highlight? Yeah, we do a bunch of endorsements around core STEM practices, computer science, cultural competency, uh, financial literacy for teachers, and working with teachers and students. And then a lot of, we've started to do a lot more CTE work aligned to work-based learning endorsements, mm -hmm. CTE sort of core, and then we've got a set of construction careers, medical careers in Kentucky, 
uh, which actually I think you're involved in the iLead work. They're doing robotics and artificial intelligence microcontrollers right. uh, with a bunch of really exciting work. And we'll probably actually start to migrate into some high school student-facing microcontrollers around robotics and artificial intelligence that, that are built in partnership with their local employers. Just sort of crazy. That's cool. It looks like Washington State has something in computer science. Yeah, so Washington State and and Rhode Island both are moving parts of their mm-hmm. different sort of computer science endorsement to competency as well. In the in the Rhode Island case, they're actually doing it. They've got a pretty sophisticated partnership with Code.org. So the Code.org training will then be able to sort of embed the microcentrals right. as part of that license. That's great. What what about leadership development? What what are you guys doing there? Bunch of really interesting things ranging from, so I mentioned the Louisiana context. Uh, so Louisiana is obviously working at the teacher leader level. We've also got a pilot to actually start to move their ed leader one license, so their principal license, to a nine micro credential endorsement that will basically include, crazily enough, includes three of the teacher leader micro credentials. Mm, so it's weird that you would actually right? scaffold these things. How about that? <laughs> and then we've got a really interesting partnership with Tennessee Department of Ed and Illinois and ISU where they're actually taking a lot of the work that Tennessee did around the Leaders for Equity playbook. Uh, that Wallace funded and a bunch of really interesting uh, data has come out around some core equity commitments and then micro-credentialing that around leadership for equity and what does that mean and how do you actually demonstrate what sort of portfolio, how do you do a good data analysis on where your sort of equity commitments are in your school, what does that need to look like as well. I ran into uh, the the leadership from Harmony Public Schools uh, today. This is a big uh, Texas network of I think 56 schools and it, it sounds like they've made a big commitment to micro-credentials for not only teachers but for leaders there. Tell, tell us about that partnership. Yeah, Harmony is a pretty amazing case study and I think they've they've really been pioneering the entire field around thinking about taking what is their current career pathway structure that they've really tried to define in terms of you know, what does an induction role look like? What's a sort of a professional educator look like? What's a curriculum writer look like? And then taking each of those. And it's really going through the same process that we've been going through, which is first sort of as a district, as an organization, define what roles exist. What's the career pathway mean? What does that mean in terms of what roles you want teachers to know exist? And then for each of those roles, we've started out very small and sort of with just their induction program and a couple of their their sort of teacher leader roles. And then we've built out the what we call a role card. The idea of the role card is it basically takes what are those competencies for that role? How do they align to the, your evaluation framework? What are the incentives? Are there stipends? Do you get release time? Do you get employment eligibility for future other roles? What personalization exists across those? So really tying together all of these sort of other ideas and then taking this core set of competencies for each of those roles, plugging it into that role card and then figuring out, okay, well, how do you, how do you now align this to their training schedule? So if you're going to become a curriculum writer or if you're going to become a PLC leader, here's the different training implementations they have. And then we're working to help them really sort of transition the, the, what was sort of just a purely in-person delivery of that PLC training to now, okay, what does this look like to actually make this something that's competency-based? What's the portfolio that a PLC leader needs to be able pr- to produce to make that work? And in their case, they actually have partnered. So they've got some work around Jim Knight's work that we're micro-credentialing. They've got some Teach Plus work around their PLC work. So in that case, it's really taking a lot of their, their PD experts, working with them to build micro-credentials. And obviously, we can now take those to other districts, other places across the country, and help embed it in their work as well. You have a cool honeycomb chart that shows how these um, skill clusters are related for different levels of learning leadership. Um, how might that 
chart help you build a partnership with a district or a network? Yeah, I mean, I think what ultimately when it comes down to the the broader context is really sort of looking at what frameworks already exist that teachers are that districts are using to help guide teacher instruction. So usually they're built around in task at the leadership level, they're built around PCL standards. So we look at those frameworks and then it's trying to create clusters of what we call clusters of micro credentials or competencies around different strands. So if you were to take in task, for instance, you'd probably have we broke it down into these eight clusters ranging from classroom management to positive classroom climate to data driven instruction to sort of organizing content, student engagement, learning differences, and developing families and developing educators. And the idea is that there's different competencies for each of those, and that's where you can actually create different tiers of, you know, induction competencies probably aren't going to get into really sort of sophisticated differentiation because, like, classroom management is really going to be your core sort of focus. And so it's really thinking about how those frameworks align to different clusters and how an educator might navigate that entire framework over their entire career. And so we've been doing that for in-task and sort of the various different, you know, Danielson, Marzano equivalents. And then we've also been doing that at the PISA level. And now we've got some really interesting work around, you know, other different frameworks, whether it's sort of some employability skills work at the student level, because there's lots of these 21st century <laughs> skills frameworks. But actually understanding like what any of those mean in portfolio form just doesn't exist right now. Right. And doing the same thing at the CT level and then starting to really think about some really interesting work around the student-centered learning. You know, this idea of in-task isn't built, wasn't built from a student-centered learning perspective. And so there's actually a whole new honeycomb that you can imagine that's what are the competencies in a student-centered learning model that actually matter from an instructional standpoint. And so trying to we're really starting to do some, some creative work around convening really amazing partners, you know, the Heather Stakers and the Blendeds of the world, the Friday Institute, Institute for Personalized Learning, and convene stakeholders to really come together and actually start to define this new framework and this new honeycomb for it. So if there's a, a district leader, uh, a chief academic officer, a, a superintendent that has heard of micro-credentials but doesn't quite know where to start, uh, what, what advice would you give them? I mean, certainly, I think, I mean, obviously, you can go to our website, sort of bloomboard.com. There's a bunch of resources there. I think the generally what we find is that you can talk to a couple of the other districts that are out there. Um, there are definitely plenty of folks who've been really sort of driving um, drive, the driving force behind this harmony has been doing great work. A couple of folks in, in different states across the country, whether it's sort of in Utah, in Arkansas, right, in the 15 states that we're working. And so I would definitely say talking to the other districts and figuring out sort of what are their actual implementation experience, right. what we find is that it's, it is often about sort of starting small. And the key outcomes are sort of don't try to boil the ocean. You know, right. Getting into career advancement gets really big fast. But be very thoughtful about what do you actually have control over if you can sort of think about a one role, right, whether it's induction, whether it's sort of a teacher leader role, define what competencies matter for that role and then start very small. So I would say even in our massive, even in the massive districts we work in, we might start off with 50 to 100, maybe 200 teachers total. And you, you might start around just a strand that's important in the, in the strategic right. plan. So it might be growth mindset. It yep. might be STEM. It might be CTE. Yep. So and usually it tends small, to be start with a group of teachers, start around a particular skill set. That's right. And often start in the niche, which is sort of you don't have to get into there's all sorts of learning to be done. I mean, we we sort of joke that we're we're in it for the long game. So there isn't a contract that we have that we don't look at as sort of a five year you know, timeline right. because ultimately this is culture change. 
and you're taking you know the system of licensure that has been seat time and credit hour driven for decades and all of a sudden asking teachers to really be able to sort of change their entire mental model about what their license looks like and making it competency and then again i think ultimately that'll be the way we get competency-based learning in front of kids is by showing teachers what it's supposed to look like. Right. Not if we don't, it's just much harder. I mean, if you're a teacher who's never had to experience your competency model in your own right, how can you be expected to do that for your kids? Could could a district um, get content from you, and 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 then conversely, if they had a particular point of view about something, could they author their own micro credential? What's the sort of build versus buy? How, how would a, a district sort of mix and match? what content you have and what content they have? Yeah, it's a good question. I think what we find is that most districts want to do some level of customization. So, you know, Harmony has built out a bunch of their own, we call them harmonized micro-credentials. And so it's really taking, you know, we've got, you know, a couple hundred at this point and we'll continue to work with partners. And But again, the the, fi- the world of micro-credentials is not, is not infinite, right? At the end of the day, if you add up all the endorsement structures and the sort of career pathways in the different areas, you end up with probably something like 264, which is a little oddly specific, but actually it it doesn't need to be more than that because you're sort of focusing on the sort of limited scope. The question is then how do you take that? You know, if you're working on a classroom routines, my credential, your competency is going to be slightly different if you're a Doug Lamov district versus a Harry Wong district. Right. And so therefore, it's about customizing at that last mile, sort of the last 20% and making sure the portfolio includes, here's what our sort of processes, here's the sort of artifacts you're going to produce that are specific and local to our district. But you don't have to reinvent the competency at the sort of global level because like routines and procedures is routines and procedures. Like there's this, that's a clear competency in the right sort of grain size associated with it all. What's next in, in micro-credentials and next for Bloomboard? I think we're doing the, the work around CTE is really interesting. And so we've started to do a lot of the new sort of exploration conversations around these employability skills and sort of thinking about what does it actually mean to be able to sort of build your brand or what does it mean to be able to sort of manage risk appropriately and how do you actually teach these things? These things, when I look at my four kids, like, or look at myself, like I didn't know anything when I graduated high school on these topics and it doesn't really make sense. And so this idea that we can help districts or think about whether it's CTE on the work-based learning side or linking into some of the Perkins five accountability work, but actually bridging the gap into what employability means. Uh, We've had lots of really interesting conversations with employers where employers are very happy to define what they would want a student or an employee to actually be able to do in practice. And they've never been asked that question before. And they're really excited about this idea of being able to actually define that and then actually have either priority in their hiring pools or other ways to think about what demonstration of practice means from an employability standpoint. And so I think we're going to do a ton of work there. And then the student-centered side is also related, but also really interesting just in terms of where I think the future goes here. It's it's an interesting time. It's fun to see you uh, start thinking about student Mm -hmm. micro-credentials. And I think we'll see more and more schools accepting a stack of credentials for course credits and college accepting a stack for uh, for college credits. So we'll see this this uh, migration from personalized learning to more formal learning. So it's a, an exciting time. It's a little crazy. I mean, the, the, the way that the, I think it all plays out has all sorts of implications in terms of what, uh, what learning means. So we'll, we'll see where it all goes. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate it. Thanks. 
A big thanks to Jason for a great hallway conversation in Nashville. For more on competency-based learning, be sure to check out episode number 177, Scaling Competency-Based Education, Equity-Focused Strategies for Policy and Practice. You can also check out our blog, gettingsmart.com, for hundreds, if not thousands, of blogs on competency-based learning and any other innovations in learning you've been wanting to dive into. Oh, and one last thing. Before you close your podcast app today or close that browser tab, please be sure to leave us a rating. We'd love to hear from you and your feedback will help us get better. All right, that's it for today, listeners. Thanks for tuning in. For the Getting Smart Podcast, this is Jessica signing off.